Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, praise and worship. Church, can we get a good clap offering this morning? Man, God is so good. God is so good. Good morning. I don't know what it is, but this morning I'm just like super excited to be here with you all this morning. And I just want you to like pat yourself on the back because it's a gorgeous day out there. And you could have been anywhere, but you're here. You're in the house of God. So good on you. I just want to applaud you for that. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So um, as you can see, we have a lot of people traveling, as uh, Rick mentioned. And we have our leadership team with the majors and the begonias and the... Uh, the Lukes, they are all with the children at commissioning. And I don't know if you all remember our, um, our very own Jennifer Acosta now. She was commissioned as an officer in the Salvation Army, so we praise Jesus for that. Our hula girls, many of you watched the competition here. They won first place up there in the Western Territorial Division. Yeah. And get this, our precious singing company, our kids, they got second place by one point. But, yeah, yeah. Well, not too all, but, uh, right? Because those are the things that are going to grow them in character and make them work even harder. So we are thankful for that, and we celebrate uh, with the first team place. Okay. All right. Um, so, again, welcome so much. I'm blessed to be here. My name is Yvonne Samia, and I am honored to bring forth the message today. You know, um, two weeks ago, we had a celebration and a wrap-up of the What on Earth Am I Here For? It was a congregational-wide campaign. And it was a six-week series aimed at helping you to realize your purpose here on earth, why God created you. And so my prayer is that now you are more confident about what God's purpose is for you here on earth. And then last week, we were very honored to have the Salvation Army General. He's like the top guy in the Salvation Army, General Andre Cox, who was visiting here from London with his wife, Commissioner Sylvia Cox. And she spoke in the 8 a.m. service. Her message was about the promises of God. And so you've heard a lot about the purposes of God for your life. And last week, Commissioner Cox spoke on the promises of God for your life. Today, I want to talk about the process that God allows in your life. Because if we're going to walk strong in his purpose for our life, and in order for us to get to the promises that God has for each and every one of us, we need to understand there, there is also a process that we will go through in this journey. So before I get into it, um, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father God, Lord, uh, we're just so blessed to be with you in your presence, Lord, here. And Father, we, we realize that you are here, you are there, you are everywhere, Father. But there's something special about giving our first fruits every Sunday morning here in your house, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would have your way. Father, empty me of myself, Father, and help me just to be your messenger, to bring forth your word, Father, that will not return void, but will go forward and accomplish what you have set it out to accomplish. 
And Father, we just want to bring you glory in our lives. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you will seed into our hearts today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, the purpose, the promise, and the process. The process, folks, is the not-so-exciting part that we don't really care to talk about. Because the process is the stuff that doesn't feel so good. It's often what we call those sandpaper experiences that smooth out the rough edges and the fire that refines the impurities from us so that we can come out like gold. These are not the most exciting of times. In fact, the process can be very messy. But it is what causes us to grow in our faith and in our walk with God. So if we can, ahead of time, recognize that there is a process to the purpose which leads us to the promise, then we can understand that what we're going through, those challenging times in our life, it's not just dramas. It's actually part of the process that God is using to build us strong, to fulfill our purpose, and to get us to his promise. And we can trust that if God started it, then he will finish it. When I think about the reality of this thought of God completing what he started in us, I love how Paul puts it to us in the Bible. And this is the text from which I want to speak today. Philippians 1, verses 1 through 6. Paul says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Church, let's zoom in on verse 6. Be confident. I want you to underline those two words in your Bible. If you're taking notes, write those words in big, gigantic letters in your notes. If you're the more techie type, then highlight those words in your device. Be confident. Because those are the key words in the process of your promise from God. This kind of confidence that Paul is talking about is not a do-nothing, pie-in-the-sky kind of attitude. It is a confidence that calls us to be authentic, to be active, to have moral integrity based on the model life of Jesus, the servant Lord who gave his life for others. Church, because in this day and this time that we live in now, we need to be a people whose theology, and when I say theology, I'm simply talking about your study of God, what you believe in God, what you believe about his promises, and what you believe that Jesus has done for us. That these beliefs is the theology that shapes your reality and not your reality shaping your theology. And this is what Paul is saying in his whole letter to the people of Philippi. He's saying, let your theology be this, 
that regardless of what your process feels like or looks like, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to the end. So be confident of this. Let that theology shape and be what you live your life in. See, I pray today that your faith would rise up in your heart. Because maybe many of you are thinking, ah, I'm not really in the middle of a process in this season in my life. Or maybe you think, hmm, I'm still too young. I haven't really gone through a real process. Or, nah, that's not really me, because I don't really even have that kind of urge right now. I ain't trying to change the world. But if you think that you haven't gone through a process yet, like T.D. Jake says, get ready, get ready, get ready because you will go through a process. So what does a process even look like? Well, think about when you receive a promise, a stirring, especially when it comes to you through a prophetic word, right? It's always exciting when you receive a prophetic word. Like you go to a conference and the keynote speaker will call you out from the audience and he'll give you a word. That's always so exciting. But what they fail to tell you before you leave the conference is, oh, by the way, there's a process. Then you leave the conference and everything in your life seems to go south. And you're like, ho, 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 wait a minute. God, wait a minute, hold up. I got a word. I got a promise at the conference when I was there. And then you go home and the process begins. And none of us like that part. But we don't realize that in the process is actually where God develops you for the promise so that the promise can come to fruition in your life. Now, how many of us have tried to negotiate with God during, during our process, right? We're like, oh, God, just let this be over already. Or God, just get me to the end. God, just give me the husband I've been praying for and I promise I'll be a good wife. Or God, just help me lose this weight and I promise I'll never eat bad again. Or God, just give me that ministry already and I will be the best leader ever. We all make those deals with God, right? Why? Because in our human nature, we want the process to be as quick as possible so that we can get on with our calling. But the problem is, there's a whole lot more to the process than we care to look at. The scripture says, he who began a good work in you. Tell a sister, girl, you just starting out. And tell a brother, bro, you're just at the beginning. But folks, be confident that God's thoughts and plans for us is always good. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. You know, sometimes we recite this verse so often that it almost becomes like a cliche to us, and I pray not. Part of the process takes us participating with the Holy Spirit because unless you really believe that everything that you go through is part of the purpose and the plan that God has for your life, you will never experience the power of the reality of the promise. 
Just like if you're suffering from a chronic illness and you don't believe that God can heal you, you will never ask him to do it, will you? For some of us, we don't ask him for things because we got that feeling that it's going to require something from us. It's going to require some development. It's going to require some pruning. It's going to require some perfecting. And can I tell you that development and perfecting don't always feel good, but are required in the process to the promise. And some of you are like, hmm, shoots. No, I don't know if I like go through all of that. Because sometimes in the midst of that process, we can feel like, man, God, why is this happening in my life? Or God, where are you? Right? Sometimes it feels like God has gone on vacation from our lives. Sometimes with everything that you're going through, it doesn't feel like God is anywhere near in your life. But can I tell you that even when you don't see him on your radar, God is there. He's there allowing you to be developed and allowing you to be perfected because, hello, some things you just can't get out of a book and you just can't Google it. You actually have to experience stuff that qualifies you and gets you ready to be of service and of help and to be able to relate to others and they to you. Church, could it be possible that what God has allowed you to go through, that he wants to use you in that very area where you've experienced your greatest pain, that your destiny incorporates the place of your pain. You see, the passion that is necessary for you to be effective in helping others often comes from a very personal, painful experience that has given you the deep well from which you draw. I've noticed that anyone that is greatly anointed who draws from a deep well and is able to change lives also had some very deep experiences which became a spark to give them the courage to drive out all the obstacles and all the trials that might have deterred them from their destiny. The victory over those circumstances gave them the power to do like they say, to take a lickin' and keep on ticking. How many of you are old enough to remember that slogan from the Timex watch, right? But isn't it true that when you're in a bad place, you want to talk to someone who knows your pain? When your marriage is in trouble, do you want to hear from someone who's never been married telling you what you need to do different as a wife or a husband? When your kid is acting up and you're about to wring his neck, Do you want to hear from someone who's never raised any kids tell you about how you need to improve your parenting skills? No, thank you. No, you want someone who has been through the process and is driven by more than what they read in a book or Googled online. And even more than just the personal experience, you want someone who is driven because in the experience of their process, they had an encounter with God. So just curious. How many of you are going through a process in your, life, in your life right now and it looks pretty messy, feels messy, and in fact is messy? I can raise both my hands for this one. But I can also tell you this, that even though it looks, feels, and is messy, it's okay. Because when you are in a purposed process for the promise, 
God just needs you to work with him so that he can bring out the most perfect ending to your story if you can learn to embrace the process. And perfect doesn't mean that things will never go wrong in your life ever. Perfect means that at the end of the day, after you have gone through a process and yet you continue to walk with God, you are living in your intended purpose and you're going to know it. You're going to know it right in here. And it will look nothing like you've been through before. You ever hear people say that about someone? They say like, wow, look at her. You never think that she's been through all of that. Or they say like, wow, look at him. Who would have thought that he grew up in all of that? Why? Because they have gone through the process, they passed the test, they received the promise, and now God can use their story for his glory. You know, in my 58, soon to be 59 years of life, process has been like the story of my life. Those who are close to me know that my life has been one heck of a process after another. You know, as a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a daughter, at work, in the ministry, it's like in every part of my world, there's a process going on. And if I can be so transparent, sometimes I feel like I'm just going to lose it. I have to keep reminding myself, Vaughn, outwardly it may look like a mess, but keep your eyes on the promise. Don't get distracted because distraction equals destruction. Stay the course. Church, I'm talking, if you can survive the process, there is an awesome promise waiting for you on the other side. And yes, sometimes we get, up, we get beat up during the process, but turn to your neighbor and say, don't count me out just because I look a mess. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this, so don't judge anything before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord returns. He will bring to light what is hidden in the dark. He will show the real reasons why people do what they do. And at that time, each person will receive their praise from God. Folks, don't make a judgment about your situation before God is done with it. He will bring out our darkest moments to light. And he will give you your just reward for the season that you've suffered through. And if I can plant some hope in your heart... Real ministry has always originated out of the deepest hurts, out of the biggest mess, the deepest sorrow, and unbearable tragedies of our process. Meaning, God uses people who are broken and battered to heal people that are going through the same thing. And for some of you, if the process that you are going through is any indication of what God wants to do with your life, I'm telling you, God is getting ready to use you in a very mighty way because of the process that you're going through. I mean, isn't it interesting that the cure for a snake bite is actually made from the venom? Or like the flu shot. When they give you the flu vaccine, they're actually infecting you with the very thing that you're trying to protect yourself from. That is a paradox of God's process in our lives. He uses the very thing that you're trying to run from as a cure. He uses it as the power that gives you the victory that now you can walk through it 
and not be affected by it because you've been there and you've done that and now you have the power and the anointing to help someone else. Have you ever stopped and thought about how God chooses people to work for him and to serve him in ministry? Because if you really think about it, it's kind of crazy. Do you ever read the Bible and look at the people God chose and the process that they went through and you think, what? Take Aaron, for instance, Moses' brother. Honestly, because Aaron made God's list, there's hope for us all. For those of you who know your Bible, you know that Aaron's first day on the job as high priest didn't go very well. In fact, it was a mess. So here's the story. His brother Moses just got appointed as president of a nation that was in bondage for 400 years. And Moses tells Aaron one afternoon, hey bro, I'm going to go up on the mountain, have lunch with God. I'll be back in a little while, but I want you to be in charge while I'm gone. So Moses goes up to the mountain, and having, after having this glorious conversation with God, Moses comes back down the mountain, and he finds that the whole entire nation of Israel is stripped naked and dancing around an image of a golden calf. I mean, can you imagine? The Bible says that Moses' face was lit up with the glory of God. Moses had an anointing on him like you've never seen before only to come down the mountain and find the whole nation of Israel under his brother's watch, naked and going, hey. <laughs> and worse yet, Moses is coming off that mountain, listen, with a promotion for Aaron. A promotion to make Aaron a high priest. You see, during Moses' lunch with God, God said to him, when you go back down there, you anoint Aaron to be high priest. And God was so for Aaron being high priest that he himself designed Aaron's priestly robe. And so here's Moses coming down with not only the big promotion for Aaron, but a robe personally designed by God. I mean, not Armani, not Versace. God himself designed Aaron's robe. So can you imagine if you were Moses? I'd be like, bruh. You ever had someone close to you disappoint and embarrass you like that? Like, what can you say to cover him? Nothing. You can't be like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You picked the wrong guy. You picked, like, the worst guy ever to be high priest, to be the intercessor for the sins of Israel. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. In fact, Bible history tells us that God still promoted Aaron. Huh? Why? Because Aaron's job was to bring God the sins of Israel, which meant that the people would be coming to Aaron and telling him all their stuff. And God needed a man who would not be judgmental or condescending or self-righteous. So God picked somebody who was a total mess and promoted him to a position that he could be touched by the feeling of our struggles. Aaron, through the process of the purpose, became really a type and shadow of Jesus. Not that Jesus committed any sin, but the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Christ didn't have any sin, but God made him become sin for us so we can be made right with God because of what Christ has done for us.
For what reason? So that we can tell Jesus anything. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. So that we can tell Jesus anything and he gets us. Hebrews 4.15 says this. We have a high priest who can feel it when we are weak and hurting. We have a high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. But he did not sin. See, church, God understands that we are a messy people. And we are going to have messy moments on the road to destiny. And it doesn't freak him out. Because just like Aaron, we will make some bad choices. But still, be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank God for second chances. It's like trying to build a new house, a new structure. In order to build a new structure, we often have to take apart the old structure. So here's one of my process stories. Jerry and I, we bought our house like back in 1990. So it's 27 years old. And for the past few months, we've been going through a renovation process in my house. I mean, demolition. Walls were torn down, floors were torn up, furniture piled in the garage, bathroom blocked off so I had to share my daughter's bathroom. I mean, for weeks that turned into months, living in the mess of a renovation was not fun at all. It was stressful in so many ways. And I'm not proud to admit that I did not deal well with the messy phases of the renovation. I mean, I would get home and I'd be tired and I'd be fussy and impatient with the whole process. And in my frustration, I was not the nicest person to my husband or the carpenters. But thank God for my husband who could see the end from the beginning, who didn't freak out like I did because of the mess. He just kept feeding me the vision of what it was going to look like after all the renovation process was done. And he kept saying to me, Vaughn, you're going to love the finish. I promise you. And now, three months later, can I tell you, church, I love my new bedroom. I love my new bathroom. I love my newly renovated house. And yes, I love my husband. So as I call the praise and worship team back in here, I just want to say this to all of you. I said all of that to say this. Church, Maybe your life is looking like a mess right now. Maybe you, like I, through the whole renovation process, acted like a mess. Maybe people are looking at you like how the carpenters probably looked at me and thought, dang, she a mess. But God doesn't see you that way. God sees your mess and he says, yes, she's getting closer. He sees your mess and he says, Yes, he's making progress in the process to the promise. Church, if you can survive the process, God has a great promise for you on the other side. And I get it, that it doesn't always end the way we expect the story to end. Sometimes we pray for healing, 
but our loved one gets promoted to glory. Sometimes the finances don't recover in time and the house is lost. Sometimes the child that we're believing for come to Christ, that he would come to Christ, seems to be going in the opposite direction. And sometimes that marriage that we prayed and worked so hard on ends. Even so, church, be confident that he who began a good work in you, he's there. He sees your pain, and he's developing you, and he's perfecting you for the promise. Church, I would just want to offer you at this time, if you would just bow your head and say a quiet prayer to God, that whatever it is, whatever the process is that you're going through today, that you would be strengthened, that you could see the end from the beginning, that God is developing you and perfecting you so that he can use you, and at the end of it all, he has a great promise for you. And if you feel like you want to come up here and you want to lay it at the altar because that process has been so tough, we welcome you to come. But as praise and worship sings, would you connect your heart with God and lay it all before him? Father God, Lord, Father, we just thank you so much for who you are in our lives, Father. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for every process that is going on in everyone that is in this room and beyond, Father. And Father, I just pray that you would help us, Father, just to surrender it all to you because you see the end from the beginning and you have a great purpose and a plan for our lives, Father. So Father, have your way. May everything that we go through and everything that we are bring you glory. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.